0: To the Silver Spring and Roll podcast. My name's Serena Merchant. This is I love basketball, and I'm joined by Anthony Irwin to talk about the other Anthony in Los Angeles Lakerdom. Anthony, how you doing?
1: Are you sure Anthony Davis doesn't consider himself <laughs> <laughs> the Anthony Day? Like I, I, I think wonder.
0: You've been around LA longer, Anthony. Honestly, like '80s a little new. You know, only two right. seasons the only-
1: in. <laughs> the only thing I would say is that like somehow both. Anthony Davis and I have managed to piss off the majority of Laker fans (laughs) because of their last season or so of production.
0: (laughs) I, you know, there's, there's something to it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's about where the, uh, the, the similarities end. I think
0: that's fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Anthony Davis uh, somewhat in the news cycle today, I guess via a leak of some sorts, Uh, In a piece by Eric Pincus at Bleacher Report, there was a note that Anthony Davis was unhappy with the quality of looks that Dennis Schroeder got him during the course of the 2020-21 regular season. That is not new news, honestly. Like um, We heard about this when the Lakers brought in, was it Damian Jones? And AD was telling Schroeder on the sideline, like, how come you can't lob the ball to me like you do to this guy? And...
1: One (laughs) is playing one position... (laughs) and (laughs) sorry, I can't can't help myself.
0: (laughs) right, so not exactly breaking news by any means to know that Anthony Davis was unhappy with the Schroeder experience when it appears that he told the man himself, you know, get me the ball in different places. Um, And apparently this was part of the reason why the Lakers felt it was necessary to bring back Rajon Rondo, because if there's any point guard in his entire career who Anthony Davis has enjoyed playing with, it is Rondo more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you bring up a good point. I think we should start there. How much of AD's relationship with Schroeder falling apart do you think is a function of AD not playing his best position? And how much of it is just Schroeder not being the guy to maximize AD who is fullest?
1: I, I think it's a pie chart kind of a thing. You know, okay. I think, I, I don't think it's either one or the other. I think Dennis Schroeder is a point guard who with a scorer's mentality, right? He's just a smaller mm-hmm. Kendrick Nunn, a smaller Malik Monk um, in, in his approach to the basketball, to, to basketball. And that said, we saw him have success with Damian Jones. We, we, we knew all along that anybody who can just throw the ball, Anywhere near the rim, if you have the right bigs there, it makes the game a lot easier. We saw that the year before when the Lakers won a championship where, yes, Rajon Rondo was a much better passer than Dennis Schroeder and, and all of that, but Alex Caruso was capable of throwing a lob to Dwight and JaVale. Uh, KCP would occasionally throw a lob to Dwight and JaVale. We know LeBron could throw lobs to those guys. And, and it just turns out that a lob passer becomes significantly worse when your targets go from JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, who are capable of getting up 12, 13 feet about, you know, 13 feet high, get their, their hands that high. And, and as a target up there compared to like Andre Drummond, who can't do that kind of a thing. And, and Montrezl Harrell who might be able to, but he needs like a, a long runway to be able to do that. And Marcus all will never has never been able to do that. And so, like when it comes to Anthony Davis and, and this gripe, he is capable of getting up there. He is capable of getting those hands well above the rim. But one, he was never in shape last season. Um, and, and it's somewhat understandable because the Lakers had just won a championship a couple months prior to the season or a month prior to the season. And so, you know, he kind of figured he would play himself into shape. And, and it just turned out that he got hurt and was never able to get into shape. And then two, he's playing out of position. Like He's, he's just, if he's playing at the four and Montrezl Harrell is out there as the five, then AD's route to the rim is going to be significantly different than like Damian Jones's route to the rim. When say LeBron James is out there as the four or, or pick your, you know, Markeith Morris was out there at the four next to Damian Jones. If you have mm-hmm. space and you can get that runway, it makes it a lot easier to get to the rim. And then the last thing here is, like, AD wasn't interested in rolling hard. Like, that. even no matter where he played, he was more interested. He would do the Julius Randle thing where he would set a screen and then just kind of post up, which doesn't really help anybody. Like, you could just post up. You could head straight into a post touch. You don't really necessarily need um, that. You, You get to switch, but AD can take advantage of just about anybody in the post. So, yeah, I I think it's a combination of a few things. What I thought was really interesting here is if AD is willing to either leak this or not exactly stomp it out, then it really sheds light on Dennis Schroeder not being a Laker right now and never really being a consideration for the team. Yeah, it's
0: it's not a great look for Dennis that they're still sort of Dumping on his name on the way out the door, like he's, he's been a Celtic for like a month now. It's probably mm-hmm. time to stop talking about him. But yeah, I mean, I I don't blame Schroeder entirely for this situation. I'm I'm with you. I think the level of play that Anthony Davis provided last year was not on par with what he was. Forget the bubble, just not on par with what he was during the 2019-20 regular season when mm-hmm. you know he was first team All NBA worthy and. I mean, he actually did all win first single and- NBA. Yeah. All defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the defense I think was, was pretty good for me and Davis for most of the season. Um, the offense is really what disappointed me more so. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, some of that can be just placed at the fact that the Lakers don't seem to optimize anybody other than LeBron James on the offense,
1: mm-hmm. but yeah, uh,
0: I, I do think it would obviously help him to play more center, but I mean, in his mind, he can say like, well, I didn't play center and Rondo still got me those touches and I didn't play center and It wasn't able to do that. And, and I, I mean, the lineups were staggered a little bit differently for the Lakers last year. Right. Uh, AD played with LeBron in the second unit when, mm-hmm. you know, LeBron wasn't on the court and AD played with Truder on the first unit when there were a lot of other mouths to be in the starting lineup. His backup point guard is basically Alex Crusoe, who, um, we've noted can throw a lot of passes, but again, not a pure passer by trade. So <laughs> no. it's, it's, it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison with Schroeder and Rondo in terms of their roles on these two Laker teams. So at the risk of defending Dennis Schroeder, I don't think it's entirely fair for Anthony Davis to be complaining about him this way, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, it was never a, a perfect marriage. I mean, which is a shame. Cause like for those first 20, some games, like it really looked like this Lakers team was, was onto something and then just didn't happen. But yeah. Um, I think the point you make about the Lakers never really considering Schroeder to come back is a valid one. Uh, I still think that had the Buddy Hill trade gone through, that Dennis Schroeder would be a Laker right now, uh, Mm -hmm. just because there was no way of the Lakers operating the point guard position uh, without the assets that they would have had to send to Sacramento. I think it came down to Kuzma and Montrez at the last reporting. So, yeah, I, I, I think that you know, the, the Lakers obviously were not happy with tennis. I mean, they, they were shopping him as early as the March trade deadline, right? So it's not like this, is, this was the last straw or anything. It was very much a situation that it didn't work. They were happy to get rid of him, you know, and just yeah. one more reason to be, to be done with him.
1: What I found, I, I do, actually, sorry, go ahead. No, no I, I was just going to say, if we're talking about dunks here, right? Because Anthony Davis wanted more lobs. Let's mm-hmm. just look at like his career numbers. So his rookie season, one hundred and twenty nine dunks. Uh, second season, one hundred and forty six. Then it goes to 150, 147, seven, one thirty six, two hundred and uh, eleven. Uh, in Is his two hundred and eleven
0: like, that twenty eighteen season. Okay. Yeah,
1: I think he played like ninety six percent of his minutes at center. It's that weird. was when
0: they had Boogie too, actually, for half yeah. the year.
1: So it's weird. He's more how- of
0: a perimeter center anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's odd how if you play a position that gets you closer inherently to the rim it becomes easier to dunk I am crazy to me and then uh in his first season with the Lakers he had 157 dunks last season now he he missed games in uh in 36 games he had 54 dunks 54
0: What was the fewest number of games he played before this past season
1: So the fewest was 56 so okay. <laughs> and, uh yeah and th- that was the uh that was the season that they were holding him out and all of that in gotcha. New but even
0: that year he still easily crossed 51 okay
1: that's you know he, he on on that that season three dunks a game right with yeah. the lakers uh the the first the first season like two and a half dunks a game mm-hmm. last season like maybe a dunk and a half, maybe? And a half. <laughs> maybe a dunk and a half per game that he played in and it's like that is obviously a factor of, of fit. And, and maybe that's his complaint here is that maybe with a more facilitating driven point guard, he's more interested or he would have had more opportunities to get out there and, and get a few more dunks, but like over, over the entirety of the season, he was pretty soft rim. He doesn't, he, he never really looked comfortable out there um, and really trusting of his body, especially after he got hurt and so I got, I, you know, he had a couple dunks here and there uh, once he went, after he got hurt and when he came back, that made you say, like, oh, okay, he's back. Like, for example, the play that uh, preceded him screaming to the Staples Center crowd, or lack thereof, I'm back, right? He's, that, 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 that video that went viral, he's screaming, I'm back. Guess what happened right before he screamed "You're back? <laughs> it was an and one dunk that I don't even think was off of an alley-oop it. And so like, he's so physically talented that um, anything just about that he wants to hold other people accountable for, like for the most part, he can also kind of look in the mirror for too.
0: Yeah. And it's not like he was playing with, you know, these miraculous point guards in new Orleans. either. <laughs> like He just <laughs> managed to figure out a way to get to the rim and dunk the ball. Um, and he was playing center, <laughs> yeah. And like the, the Lakers theoretically brought in Marcus all to create space for Anthony Davis to mm-hmm. operate closer to the basket last year. And he just never did. Like he always set up shop in that, like you know, free throw line extended area, likes to work from the elbows. Uh yeah, really seemed to think that his jump shooting from the bubble would be sustainable over the course of the season, which spoiler alert, it was not, yeah. Um, and Like I I don't think that the majority of Anthony Davis's bubble performance is unsustainable. Like the way he played defense, the way he attacked the basket, all of those things I think are replicatable over longer periods of time. But yeah, I don't expect him to be a 50% jump shooter all the time. Like that's that's Dirk Nowitzki. That's not Anthony Davis. Like, yeah, for all the physical tools that he has, he's he's not that guy, and he has to do a lot more than 20-some games to prove that he is that guy. So I it's frustrating because he, he was so, so good. And then to come down to this level when Mm -hmm. like, even when the rest of the Lakers were getting off on a really hot start, like I I think they were like 21 and six at one point,
1: they were really, really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Even during that stretch, it was just, Oh, can you imagine how good the Lakers are gonna be when Anthony Davis turns it on? Yeah. And then he just never did. (laughs) So, I mean, (laughs) you can, you can say all of these things about how there, there wasn't enough time. Like everybody else, seemed to figure out a way to shine at moments during this regular season, and it, it just wasn't the case for AD. And so, I think he has more to prove than just about anybody this regular season. Like maybe it's Westbrook because you know he hasn't had a good postseason since what, like the twenty sixteen Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, but I I would mm-hmm. think it's Anthony Davis because he's the one that has the highest ceiling to reach, and. It doesn't really matter if Westbrook is like 2016 Westbrook. I, I don't think the Lakers reach what they want to unless Anthony Davis is the guy he was in 2020.
1: Well, so much of that is, is not just like in terms of Anthony Davis's production, right? Mm-hmm. But also like when he was a Pelican and or Hornet, was he, he was, he was, a I Pelican. think
0: it's both. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, right, right. So his rookie season, he was a Hornet. And then uh, from there on out, he was a Pelican. And so while he was in New Orleans um, and like the the season that he had that ended in a sweep against the uh, Golden State Warriors, but in which he and Rajon Rondo, by the way, beat the Portland Trailblazers in that one playoff series, that was great. Like that was the season that everybody was like, oh my God, Anthony Davis is really on his way. Like there was some discussion about like, we might be heading into a season next year where Anthony Davis is considered the, if not one of the best, uh, players in the NBA. Right. And that had a lot to do with the fact that he was a center. Like he was, he functioned as a center and, and I know he doesn't like doing it. I know he doesn't like, you know, there are some bigger productive centers now, uh, more of them than I think people give the NBA credit for, right. We have Jokic and Embiid and Gobert and, and so on and so forth, but like you you do have a situation here where if AD is willing to play the five 50% or more than 50% of the time, then the Lakers are going to be significantly better than if he plays 30%, 20% of his minutes there at the, at the five because it allows Russell Westbrook to be closer to that 2016 Russell Westbrook uh, fewer people getting in the way of LeBron on his drives to the basket. Uh, you allow yourself to have a couple extra shooters out there so that you can kind of work the math in your favor. And then if you do want to go sm- mouth, smash mouth against a smaller team, hey, we have Dwight Howard, right? It's like the the, the Avengers line. Like we have a Hulk, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and then in comes Dwight Howard. And so like I, I just think like it's not just in terms of raw production from Anthony Davis, it's about approach. It's I I talked about it a lot on today's um, yesterday's lowdown where uh, Rajon Rondo is discussing how, or talking about how he doesn't really care uh, that he's not going to get as many minutes as he wants. He knows that on this team is what he's going to provide is going to be mentorship and then the occasional production. And he's willing to make that sacrifice. And I just think like of, Every great team that has ever existed, talent is, is one constant, and sacrifice and willingness and, and, and being open to sacrificing is the other constant. And I think in this case for Anthony Davis, his sacrifice is going to be playing a position that he isn't necessarily as interested in playing and, and doing so in a way that maximizes his talents. Like, it's maddening to watch this guy. He's one of, if not the greatest finishers of the pick and roll that I have ever seen that the league has ever seen, not that interested in doing it. Right. He is one of the most versatile defenders when he's playing the five that he can go out there and guard on the perimeter and then rotate back and, and defend the rim and then rotate out and contest a three pointer. And then somehow get back to the rim and grab a rebound, right? Somehow all in the same play. And, and yet, He's not that interested in doing it. And and I, you know, to a certain extent, like that kind of a possession sounds exhausting. Like I got tired just describing it. <laughs> but like rolling to the basket and and dunking with a wide open lane seems incredibly fun. Like I'm a I'm a five ten round Mexican dude there is nothing I would have loved to be able to do in basketball more than to roll down the lane and dunk on an entire city. And yet he just doesn't seem that interested in doing it. it's kind of a bummer.
0: Yeah. And you know, for all the talk about how playing the five would make eighties life harder defensively. And I I completely agree with that, especially with the the lack of defensive talent, the Lakers added to their roster Mm -hmm. over this past off season. I do think it would make, his life so much easier on offense. And so I, I think there is some give and take that he's probably not considering as much, but then again, the way AD played offense last year, like there was really no effort involved in it at all. So maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe there's, that's what he's working with. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think, I think the point is clear, like 88 center would be delightful. Um, you know, if, if the Lakers are so insistent on getting rid of Marcus, all we could just start AD at the five, you know, call it a day, uh, put in, Who would you start at the four in that case, or like the three? Would you put Ariza in? I I think he's too creaky to start.
1: Well, Uh, maybe like I think you kind of have to start Ariza because I remember back when Bynum got hurt, right? And he Uh they basically said that he had like fifty-seven year old knees because like post injuries and stuff Mm -hmm. that he had to start because he they didn't want him to stiffen up on on the bench, you Mm -hmm. know. So I think there are a few guys on this Lakers team that that's the case for. (laughs) Like that kind (laughs) of they kind of have to start. Or if they aren't going to start, they have to go ride the bike in the corner just to make sure yeah. that they're...
0: I could in. see like a, like a Baysmore ellington westbrook backcourt with Braun and AD in the frontcourt.
1: Um, I could see it. That'd be fun.
0: Yeah. But anyway, I think, the, I think the point of this discussion is that, yes, the Lakers did not want Schroeder, but maybe all of these problems would be solved if Anthony Davis just
1: played center. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: let's take a quick break, and then there was one more thing I wanted to talk about from this story. All right, we're back here talking about this air Pinkest report from Bleacher Report. And the other thing that stood out to me, other than Anthony Davis saying that he, or Anthony Davis reportedly saying that he did not get the best passes from Dennis Schroeder, was that the Lakers have some concerns about their backup point guard situation, where Rondo is something of a hedge on the production of Kendrick Nunn and THT, because The the Lakers obviously last year their backup point guard was out. Chris always no longer on the team, and so something had to be done to fill that spot, because I guess LeBron James isn't your backup point guard. I'm not entirely sure Mm
1: -hmm.
0: why that is like a point of concern, considering all of the ball handling that LeBron James does. But hey, the Lakers were clearly very interested in acquiring a backup point guard to the point where they had overtures with Darren Collison, Isaiah Thomas, and Mike James, I believe, for settling Mm -hmm. on Rondo, who became available via this buy-up. So that leads me to my question. Why would you spend the bulk of your mid-level exception on Kendrick Nunn if you were not convinced that he can be your backup point guard? What do you think, Anthony?
1: Seems like a fair question in terms of – like, because, again – so this was a conversation that took place in regards to DeMar DeRozan. I remember um, back when there was talk that he was going to take a pay cut <laughs> to potentially go to the Lakers. And he wound up getting, I believe, like, like three years, times.
0: 85, three years, <laughs> 85,
1: 14, 14 times more than he would have made Good with for the you. DeMar. Good for you. <laughs> so, so I think, so I, at the time, there was the conversation where it was like, just in terms of raw talent, you go get the really talented player and you make it work here. Uh, if if DeRozan was interested in, in going to the Lakers on that kind of a contract. And even then, while I acknowledge, like I it's not that I necessarily fully disagree with the with the premise. My point back then was always like, well the Lakers don't have very many other avenues by which that they can spend above a minimum contract. So do you want Mm -hmm. to use that 5.9 or in this case, $5 million um, per year on, on a player who doesn't necessarily fill a need like the Lakers didn't have, especially after they got Westbrook, they definitely didn't have a need for a facilitating two guard. Like that wasn't, Mm -hmm. that wasn't really something that they desperately needed. Uh, and and so I here with none I I same first player than Kent than Demar Derozan. Where did you really need a combo guard as your as your only other non minimum contract that you can offer out there? Uh, Rudy Gay was out there for uh, available, and and the Lakers I believe at, at one point were making overtures to him. The story that is kind of kind of sifting around out there is that Rob Palenka low-balled, uh, Rudy Gay and and he uh, in in the time it took to negotiate with Rudy Gay, Mike Conley and the and the Jazz swooped in and said, "Hey, just take take the full exception and come over here and play mm-hmm. with Utah." And now Rudy Gay is is with the Utah Jazz. And so for like for where we're at in terms of of positional need, the Lakers need a wing, right? They don't need a combo guard. They have plenty of that, plenty of those, and and. They would be, I think, better off had they just given the full uh, taxpayer mid level to Rudy Gay at the five point nine, which he was welcome to taking, by the way, obviously, clearly, because that's
0: what he took from Utah. That's
1: what he took in Utah. So, <clears throat> so I, I, I think uh, that was a bit of a mistake there. And I don't know if this was, you know, basically the Lakers saying, "All right, well, we'll give less than the the taxpayer mid level, the full taxpayer mid level, so that we have." available to us over the course of the season. And as that prorated veterans minimum gets below that, we'll have a few extra, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to sway whatever player it is that we uh, are interested in without having to promise them like they did with Andre Drummond, a starting position. So, so I, I, I understand the process. I just think it was executed poorly on, on the type of player that they went with it with.
0: Yeah, so there's a, a couple interesting things you said there. Uh, one of them, I I get the idea of wanting to save a little extra money out of the mid level because, like you said, the Lakers are completely capped out and just have no other options with which to you know spend. So having that extra carrot at the end of the season, like for buyout candidates, is mm-hmm. not such a bad idea. I personally had thought that the reason they saved that extra money was to give a longer term deal to one of their rookies. Um, you know, so they don't have to go through that whole two-year restricted free agency thing like they did with THT, but mm-hmm. I don't know that any of them popped to that degree that you would hope that you'd want to, like, really suddenly. lock one of them down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, I understand wanting to keep a little extra money around. I mean, cards on the table. I'm just not a Kendrick Gunn fan. Like, I don't I don't get it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you've got THT. Exactly. M- mostly off the court. Yeah. Um, he had, what, one good game in the finals against the Lakers, and I think that really sits in people's memories, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to me, it's just like, if you, if you're going to sign a Malik monk and you have THT, um, and you've got, you know, Ellington and Basemore who can play the two, like there's so many mouths to feed already at that position. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you create more of a positional log jam by signing a guy who I don't really think moves the needle at all. Like for all of those arguments you were making about Tamar how he doesn't fit a need for the Lakers when the level of talent is so high, like it is mm-hmm. with DeMar DeRozan, I think you just say, F it, let's go for it, because mm-hmm. this is a former All-Star um, who totally really get gets the job done during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not who Kendrick Dunn is. Kendrick Dunn is a third-year player who has been pulled in and out of the rotation in Miami. Uh, I'm not really sure what he does best. Like, I know he's on a shooter.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, so
0: uh, I think it's like... But-
1: I think it's it's a uh, certifiable bucket getter. Is is ah uh. ah? He's one of those. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, gotta got love the, the bucket getters. Yeah, <laughs> um, Jesus. Uh, okay, maybe, maybe I'm underselling Kendrick on shooting a little bit, but like you know, over over two year sample size in the NBA, you know, one of which is like easily the most the most ridiculous season we've had in like NBA history. It's hard to tell how much to take out of those stats, but. Mm-hmm. I, it just bugs me that the Lakers had this tool to address a real position of need, and like I may not agree with what their position of need is. Like clearly, the Lakers think it's a backup point guard, and I seem to think it's on the wing. But even then, if they thought that they needed a backup point guard, why not use that money towards a yeah. backup point guard instead of this guy who doesn't fill that? So that that just confused me because like I don't look at the Lakers roster and think, hey you know what they need is another guy who needs the ball in his hands. Like that's not Mm -hmm. what I see when looking at the 13 players that they've assembled, but the fact that they did and then just did nothing about it other than waiting for, is it now 36 year old, 35 year old Rajon Ronda to become available.
1: Mm -hmm. That's weird. That's very weird. (laughs) So this, this, I don't mean for this to sound controversial. Mm -hmm. I I really don't. Um, But remember when magic Johnson was running the Lakers there was the grand experiment, right? Instead of surrounding LeBron James with shooters, let's surround him with creators. Let's surround mm-hmm. him with thinkers, other people who when the ball rotates to, they could take advantage of however the defense is moving there. Um, what they didn't think of back then was <laughs> at some point that somebody needs to finish the play. <laughs> and they just they didn't have anybody who could really finish the play once the, once the defense was kind of molded by way of those other creators out there. And and so like magic winds up stepping down and the experiment uh, when LeBron was asked about it, right? He made the fart noise like actual fart noise was what he was was how he described the uh, the experiment of of being surrounded by creators and uh, not shooters. And and yet like this season, what was the number one thing that like we kept on hearing that the Lakers needed around LeBron? Well, he wants more creators because he wants to to have less of the production or left less of that responsibility to be left on his shoulders. And it's like, well, we saw how that experiment went the first time around. Now they do have more shooters and they do have Anthony Davis this time around. So it is going to be more successful than magic's experiment. But at the end of the day, why try to recreate the experiment seeing as you've already seen it once before. Right. and, And like, yes, Russell Westbrook is going there. There are ways that Russell Westbrook is going to help, but the fit with LeBron James could be clunky, right? And yes, uh, Rajon Rondo and and, and LeBron James uh, did come together and and win a championship together. But like the Lakers were a lot more successful statistically when Alex Caruso was on the court, not Rajon Rondo. And so like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, it wasn't just magic Johnson's experiment there. Like he and LeBron James were working together there. And I think LeBron went back to that experiment here, albeit with better finishers than they had a couple years ago. But we saw it. that year, the Lakers fell on their face injuries. Yes, but still fell on their face last season. Instead of focusing on finishers, they wanted more uh, creators who could get their own shot and stuff like that. And, uh, Dennis Schroeder and, and Montrez Harrell fell on their face injuries. Yes, but still fell on their face. So you have this wide ranging uh, results that we're discussing here. And one had a result where they won a championship. And that was due in large part because the focus was finishers. LeBron creates, and then you get guys who can finish plays. A year later, they get guys who can create not as many guys who can finish plays. And they, they fall on their face the year before that, like I said, they fell. In, and, and so like, or two years before that they fell on their face. And, and I just think here with, with this one, it's more of a balance between the two approaches, but I think we can, we can kind of say that LeBron still kind of went back to that. Well, that he and magic Johnson were trying to create once upon a time. And I just don't know whether or not I agree with the approach.
0: Yeah, I, I don't agree with the approach either. Um, I think I'm higher on the 2018, 19 Lakers than most, um, like the, the problem the, with
1: oh, the one that, that was uh, like I got hurt case. on Christmas, mm-hmm.
0: um, like I I don't know how much I buy into the, you know, LeBron needs more playmakers to help distribute the load. But like, I think the problem is, is that when one of those playmakers is Lance Stevenson, like it's not really the fact that he's a playmaker. It's that I don't think he's an NBA player, you know, like mm-hmm. that's the problem with that <laughs> approach. So, As evidenced
1: by the fact he hasn't been in the NBA since.
0: Has not been in the NBA since, right. So like, I, I think that team was, was kind of a decent team. Like, I, I greatly enjoyed watching them. And, like, the, the kids really got a lot done that year, you know, before Alonzo got hurt, before Ingram had that, you know, scary thing uh, with his mm-hmm. – I, I forget exactly what the, the malady was, but, like, mm-hmm. there, there is some logic to that. You know there's some logic to wanting to have other playmakers to exploit the advantages around Lebron it's just uh, I forget the point I was trying to make
1: here it's just it's, finding a balance like you gotta yeah, find balance yeah you have to you have to be able to like if you're gonna do one thing you still have to acknowledge that the other thing is important right like mm-hmm. you want the creators out there but at the end of the day you don't get you don't get points in basketball for for passes right <laughs> You don't. It, it's not like soccer where where people start chanting "Ole" when you connect like five or six passes in a row. It's it's it. People want to see something finished at the end of that really great ball movement whenever it occurs. Mm-hmm. And and I think here with especially if Anthony Davis is in better shape, there's your finisher, Dwight Howard mm-hmm. finisher, Wayne Ellington finisher from the perimeter. Right. He he knocks down the corner shots. Uh, Kent Bazemore regular season, uh, finisher, (laughs) he's pretty, nobody look up his (laughs) post-season shooting. Nobody do it right now. I'm telling you, it's going to ruin your day, but like, (laughs) and, and like Russell Westbrook creator, right. And, 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 uh, if he is interested in cutting very good finisher, like he's one of the league's better cutters. He just doesn't really show interest in doing that all that often. So, so I just think here with, with the Lakers, they tried to find a balance and we'll see how effectively they found that balance. And, and I think from the guard spot though, they went too far in the, in the direction of Montres Harold, Dennis Schroeder bucket getters when what they probably needed was a facilitator finisher type of point guard. Patty Mills comes to mind who they were interested in. He just happened to go to Brooklyn.
0: Right. And I, I probably don't fault the Lakers for Patty Mills wanting to go to Brooklyn over LA because that's an awesome opportunity. And there's a lot of former Spurs guys there. And I I could see preferring that option, you know, to the Lakers, even if all the money was equal, but I think it just comes down to like how the Lakers use their resources, right? Like I don't, I don't claim to have the best idea on how to build a team. Like if they have a different approach, fine. I just would hope that they, they use their resources to the best way possible in fulfilling that approach. And mm-hmm. to me, if you're waiting for a buyout guy to fill out a, a need that you've addressed on your team, that to me says that you made a mistake along the
1: way. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. That's where that's where I think we're at. And, and I think, look, with Rondo, like it's the right correction now. It's that they had to make a correction in the first place. Right. Like, that's right. the annoyance. It's like he's the right guy to get now, especially when you're considering like Darren Collison hasn't been in the league in a little while. Mike James mm-hmm. was like never that good. Right. And Isaiah Thomas is, is, is I think I'd
0: rather have Lance good. Stevenson.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I think with, when it's Rondo, you're, you're looking at like best of the bad options. It's just that why limit yourself to those options when you had, when you had more resources to be able to use than than the veterans minimum back when free agency started.
0: Exactly. Um, I am just fascinated to have Rondo back on the Lakers, uh, just yeah. I I never thought I'd be in this position, you know, where he was quite literally the worst player we could have acquired back in the 2018-19 season.
1: Uh we were just and then playoff rondo happened.
0: I know, right? And then not only did playoff rondo happen, it completely disappeared for the Clippers, which was somehow funnier.
1: <laughs> if it comes back this year, Rondo gets a statue. I yeah. he gets his jersey retired, something like that. Like if he just He's gonna and, and, be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he is. I wonder what the Lakers would do there. Because like Jamal Wilkes is
0: if Ronda wins two titles and joins the Hall of Fame, <laughs> two titles with the Lakers, including number 18. <laughs> yeah, number nine slash four is going up at the Raptors.
1: I guess so. Wilkes Wilkes played with the Lakers from 83, no, from 77 to 83 or to 84. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means like he, he had a lot more time with the Lakers was eventually a hall of famer. And so Mm -hmm. I could see why they retired his Jersey. I wonder if there's like a five-year minimum. And I wonder Mm -hmm. if Rondo will just play like two more years or three more (laughs) years in order to get to that, like five-year minimum,
0: uh, unspoken
1: standard for the Lakers to be able to retire his Jersey. But I'll say this, if that actually comes to fruition where he was terrible in the in the postseason uh, with the Clippers basically no-showed, wasn't even played uh, as they were facing elimination, uh, and then and then reaches that level again and becomes a productive playoff player, that's worth another season to me yeah. in, in the Lakers uniform.
0: <laughs> I, I would agree. I mean, uh, I, I feel like I've waited my whole adult life to see Rajon Rondo versus Chris Paul in the playoffs, and he just, I, it felt like Rondo was so amped for the moment that he just, like, shit the bed <laughs> <laughs> and that that was a major disappointment for me personally but um, yeah yeah you know I would have Rondo back unless not as Avery so Davis, with, apparently
1: well <laughs> if he had alter ulterior motives at play and was thinking of that while he was crapping the bed then like you know what if you're gonna crap a bed crap on the Clippers I'm fine with that like if, if you're gonna force somebody to clean up a messy bed make it be Steve Ballmer I'm that's that's the perfectly fine approach in my opinion
0: And on that note, uh, this has been (laughs) I Love Basketball. Uh, You're listening to the Silver General podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our feed for multiple shows about the Lakers every day of the week. And we'll be back next week to talk whatever comes next. Take care.